Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea. How's everyone doing this morning? Those of you online, welcome to the CWC Bay Area Sunday morning service. It is good to have you all in the house of God. Now, I know they said it on the, on the uh, announcements, but on behalf of Angie and I, thank you so much for your generosity uh, for Pastor's Day. We are just overwhelmed by your love and your expressions, the gifts, no matter the size of them. We were just blessed by, by the Pastor's Day that you shared with us last Sunday. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, my prayer last week was for a Raider win. That didn't happen. And so uh, we haven't had very many things to cheer about as a Raider fan this past year. It's been pretty pretty terrible, but uh, we're going to still worship the Lord and get into the word this morning. Amen? Amen. How many are ready to hear the word of God today? Amen. Amen. I believe, I believe that what we're about to share is going to be life-changing. I really believe that the word that we're about to share with you right now is going to unlock some things inside of you and your personality, your walk with God, that if you would allow yourself, what we're about to share with you is going to literally help you live at another level. Amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Mark. Now, out of all the, the Gospels, the Gospels, there's four different Gospels. It, it shares the life of Jesus through the lenses of four different individuals that, that saw it through a different aspect. They're called the Synoptic Gospels, which refers to seeing with the same eyes, that we may all see the same car accident, but we all look at it and view that accident through different lenses. And that's what the Gospel really is all about, is different individuals highlighting different things. But the miracle we're going to talk about today is in all four Gospels. Whenever you have something that shows up in every book, that means that God doesn't want you to miss what it is that he's trying to get across. He didn't want you to miss out on this. Now, if it's mentioned once, it's important. If it's mentioned twice, it's really important. If it's mentioned three times, now we're getting critical. If we mention it four times in the Gospels, now this is something that is so vital, you cannot miss it. And what this is what we do. The series is what this is what we do. Whatever we add, God multiplies. And today I want to talk to you about living in abundance. Everyone say that with me, living in abundance. I believe that many of us are operating in a negative when God never intended you to live that way. But there is a key that when we release, God adds. Don't, don't worry, I'm not collecting an offering after church today, okay? This is for you more than it is for me. And so I want you to see this in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It says, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. Now, check this out. They had come to this place because John the Baptist had been beheaded. And Jesus says, hey, guys, let's get together. Let's have some R&R. Let's get alone together. Let, let's just get away from the crowds. Let's have us time. Let, let's mourn a little bit. But when they get there, there's a crowd waiting for them. And Jesus doesn't tell the crowd to dissipate. He ministers to them. And the disciples aren't really excited about that because that teaching goes for one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, 
6, 8, 10. And it's late in the day, and now the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, man, this is ridiculous. We were supposed to have some time to chill with you, hang out, and now all these people are here, and we got all these folks here. So one of the disciples acts spiritual. Hey, Jesus, I'm concerned about the people. We need to send them away because it's late in the day. And they're hungry. And so let's send them away. And this is what they, they tell them. This is a remote place, they said. It's already late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and village and buy something to eat. Concerned about them. I'm so concerned about their well-being. Send them away. Get them out of here. And I love what Jesus says. You give them something to eat. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. How many know that vision creates culture? Amen. I said vision creates culture. Amen. So we, we have to have a culture. We have to develop, have a vision in order to create a culture. And that culture, once it's created, gives us the ability to sustain storms in our lives. I, I love what Peter Drucker, I shared this last week. Peter Drucker mentioned that that strategy, uh, that that cult, that uh, strategy, that culture eats strategy for lunch. I, I knew he said something, but it, it was that culture eats strategy for lunch. So you could have a great strategy, but if you have a terrible culture, it doesn't matter how good you plan. You have a terrible culture in your marriage, terrible culture in your business, terrible, terrible culture in your family. I don't care what strategy you have to heal it, to bring it back together. It won't last because culture is what sustains things. It's culture, it's environment that determines what grows in your life. I've always said this, have you ever seen a palm tree grow in Alaska? No, because in Alaska, you got 23 hours of sunshine at times, but it doesn't have the sustained environment to sustain the growth of a, of a, of a, of a, of a um, palm tree. So what am I telling you today? That many of us in our families do not have the right culture in order to sustain the growth of certain things in our life. Like forgiveness, like love, like, like community. We haven't created the culture. So no matter what strategy, what vision you come up with, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have the right culture, it doesn't matter what your vision is. And so we shared with you that our love for people motivates us to keep everyone and anyone from going to hell. Our love for people keeps us motivated to keep anyone from going to hell. That means that we will do anything short of sin to get people to Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. So last week we talked about that we don't invite people to Jesus, we bring people to Jesus. And we use the picture of the carrying of the stretcher and how four people came together to make that happen. Today, I want to talk to you about living in abundance, that what do we do? We live in abundance. And I, I, I shared with you the scripture about John, the, that how John the Baptist had been, had been beheaded. And now they went for R&R, &R, but instead of getting R&R, &R, they find themselves ministering even more. Have you ever been tired and you were looking forward to just breaking away and just getting some rest? And instead of getting rest, you find people with need? 
and you're, you're like a piece of cotton candy. Someone's always taking a piece of you until all that's left is the cone and you're empty. And this is where the disciples feel they're at. And they're, they're in this point. Now, the feeding of the 5,000, most scholars agree that it wasn't 5,000 people that were fed, that it was more like 15,000 were fed. Why? Because the word says 5,000 men. Five, in those days, they only counted the men. They're not including the women and the children. So you just bank that maybe a couple of them were married, a couple of them had kids, and their families were there. There were at least 15,000 people at this event. And Jesus is teaching them. And they're, they're, they're in this situation, and the disciples say, send them away. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Now, I want to unveil to you what we refer to as a scarcity mentality as opposed to the abundance mentality. Many of us were born with a scarcity mentality because you were raised in a family that didn't have much. You were raised in an environment or even in a culture that, that was always hoarding, always holding on. We never have enough. You never have enough to get by. You always looked at life through the lenses of not having enough. So when there was a need, you didn't meet the need because you had your own needs. Come on, somebody talk to me. I'm not going to give to someone else. My kids have needs. I'm not going to give to them because I have a need. And when you have a need and you have the scarcity mentality, you're not looking at blessing anyone else because your needs are going unmet. And this is where they're at right here. But the abundance, the scarcity mentality says there's not enough. But the abundance mentality says there's more than enough. Someone say more than enough. Come on, shout it more than enough. Say, my God is a God of more than enough, not just enough, not barely enough. That's who El Shaddai is, the God of more than enough. That's the God you serve. Now, that abundance mentality says that there's more than enough, but I need you to understand that the scarcity mentality does not start in your wallet. It starts in your mind. It's not based on how much you have in your wallet. It's based on the outlook you have in your mind. And so your wallet, some of you, you need to get your minds renewed because you're walking around. You serve the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but you're still walking around with a poverty mentality. It's time that we break out of that mindset. You see, if you view life through the lenses of scarcity, you will always be fearful and anxious. Jesus has a much different plan for you. Everything about God, when I read the word, everything about God is exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. That's the God that we serve. Oh, am I preaching to anyone this morning? The disciples say, man, send these people away. How are we going to feed them? Jesus tells them this. You give them something to eat. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But he says, you give them something to eat. And one of the disciples says, we could work a whole year and not make enough money to give these people even a piece of bread. They're freaked out. Have you ever had more need than you had resource? Come on, church. Come on, Brother Phil. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you had more need than you had resource? And you're crying out to God because you're trying to figure out, how am I going to make this work? 
How is this going to come about? I got more month than I got money. I got more bills than I got resources. And this is where they're at. And, and the Bible says that there was a little boy. Someone say little boy. That came up with two fishes and five loaves. Two fish fillet sandwiches. That's all he brought. Now, now my question is this. Brother, you're talking about 15,000 folk in that group. You're telling me that there's not anyone else in that group that has some beef jerky, some dried fish, some smoked salmon, that they don't have a burrito or two locked away, that there isn't something else in the crowd. And only a little boy out of the 15,000 that were there said, listen, this is what I got, and I'm willing to give what little I have. I'm willing to invest this into the kingdom. It took a child. It took a child that trusted God to say, I'm willing to give what little I have. He wasn't just giving his lunch. He was giving his family's lunch. You imagine how much trouble he could have gotten into when his mom said, I sent you to the market to go pick up a couple fish and a couple loaves, and now you show up without anything? We have nothing to eat the rest of the week. Boy, where's the food? Well, they, they, were, they were having a big old concert out there, Day on the Green. <laughs> and Jesus was there, and there was like 15,000 people, and they were hungry. So I gave Jesus the fish fillet sandwiches. I want you to notice there's four principles I want to share with you this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down to remind you of what it is that God's trying to get across to you this morning. Number one, first principle is this. You see the need. You meet the need. You see the need. You meet the need. But when the disciple says, hey, these people are hungry, that's why Jesus revealed the principle to him. You saw the problem. You meet the need. In other words, this, don't bring up a problem without a solution. Don't come to me with problems. Come with me to solutions. Don't tell me what's wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't tell me what's wrong. Tell me how we're going to fix the problem. And Jesus says, because you notice the problem, that means you're anointed to fix the problem. When you see homelessness, when you see kids broken, when you see marriages broken, when you see people addicted, when you are moved by a need, that need is your ministry. When you see a need that no one else sees, God is saying this, you meet the need. Don't call me up. Hey, pastor, I saw someone that has a need. I need you in the church to kind of take care of this, this situation. Don't you dare call me and do that. You saw the need. You meet the need. It's your response. You, you recognize it. You saw it. And so I want you to see this. He, he tells him this in, in chapter 36 of chapter 6 of the book of Mark. You give them something to eat. Philip learned this great lesson. He went and tried to get them to spread out, and Jesus told him, you give them something to eat, Philip. And Philip answered him in verse six of, uh, 7 of chapter 6 of John. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have one bite. 
Jesus tells him this, don't you point out the problem without having a solution. And see, when you see it, you see a need, you notice it. Not everyone sees the need. Not everyone has the awareness. And if you have an awareness of a need of a homeless couple, you have an awareness of a need of a child that's going without a jacket, you see a need of a homeless person that needs a sleeping bag, don't pass it off to someone else. God showed you that need, so it made you aware of that need, so you would meet the need. You see, what bothers you is your ministry. You don't like kids yelling in church? Volunteer for children's ministry. You don't like when the music's too loud? Get involved in the sound system. You don't like when people are singing off key? Get involved in the choir or the worship team. Whatever bothers you is your calling. Everyone say number two. See, the thing, the thing I want you to understand, Philip was like, man, where, where are we going to? This isn't going to be enough. This isn't going to meet the need. See, Philip, the problem with Philip was this. He was thinking about buying. Jesus was thinking about giving. Where are we going to buy? Jesus isn't, I'm not looking at buying. I'm looking at taking what we have and giving it. But it's not enough. Give. But I don't have enough to give. Give. So number two, I want you to see this down. Let's see this. He says in verse 39 of chapter 6 of Mark, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of what? And what? So what is Jesus doing to the problem? 15,000 people, what's he doing to the problem? Solving it, but how is he solving it? What's he doing to this huge problem? Organize. What he's doing is literally making it manageable into smaller pieces. Instead of, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And what Jesus, okay, brother, what, what, what Jesus did, what Jesus does here is he takes the 15,000. There is no way we could meet, we could meet the need of 15,000, but break everyone up into groups of 50 or hundreds. Let, let us break the problem down. You're trying to heal all the problems of your marriage. Deal with one problem at a time. Stop trying to organize. Try, try trying to deal with all of it. You're trying to deal with your addiction and make up for everything of 15 years of messing up. Deal with one year, one problem, one issue at a time. Make it manageable. Make it manageable. The disciples were overwhelmed, so the principle, break the problem down, don't be broken. I said, break the problem down, don't be broken. See, the disciples were overwhelmed by the need and the, the task was impossible. But Jesus told them, you know what, just, just make the problem manageable. I want to encourage you this morning, learn to make your problems, your marriage, your attitude, your finances, even your health, make it manageable. I want you to see the third thing that he does. He says, how many loaves do you have? Now, when we say loaf, we're not talking a loaf of bread like we know them. To, to the Jew, a loaf of bread was just like a pita, okay? So he only had five pitas and then two fish. In essence, all they had was two fish fillet sandwiches minus the tartar sauce and the cheese. 
And Jesus asked in verse 38, how many loaves do you have? And he asked, go and see. The third thing I want you to see this morning is count your blessings and then bless what you have. I said, count your blessings and then bless what you have. You see, I want you to understand what, 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 we, what do we have to do when the need is overwhelming? Take inventory. What do you have? If your marriage is struggling, take inventory. What do you have? Not what do you lack? We focus so much on what we lack, we forget what we have. We forget what's strong about our marriage, what's good about our spouse, what's good about my family. We get so focused in on the negative and what we lack, we miss out on what we have. Jesus says, what do you have? I want to ask you right now, what do you have? Not what you lack, not what you wish you had. What has God blessed you with today? What has God entrusted you with today? What has God given you today? you got to focus in on what God's given you. What do you have? Well, I lost this person. I lost that relationship. I lost this job. I lost this thing. Stop focusing in on what you don't have. And what do you have? Take inventory. Out of only 15, out of 15,000 people, you're telling me there's only two fish and five loaves. Someone's holding out. There's a snicker bar in that group somewhere. <laughs> there, 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 there has to be a, a, a Chick-fil-A sandwich out there somewhere. Someone's hoarding. Someone's hoarding. Someone's like, no, no, man, there's too many people here. Here, take a bite. They're, they're not sharing. Come on. They could have been part of the miracle. But instead, they decided to be part of the problem. Now, you could be part of the miracle or you could be part of the problem. You got to make a decision which one you're going to be. And, and when the little boy comes and he shares his meal, Jesus takes it. He takes account. He takes inventory. Okay, this is what we have. And he takes it and he... Thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed me with. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting me with this today. Lord, I, I thank you for what you've given me. I thank you for what you've blessed me. Scarcity asks this, what can I afford? Abundance says, what do I have? Well, let me say that again. Scarcity says, what can I afford? I don't have enough money to get that. But abundance says, what does God have? What's he already blessed me with? What, what resources do I have right now? Stop focusing in on what you lack and start being grateful for what you have. Come on, somebody say amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Mark chapter 6, verse 41. Stay with me, those of you at home. We're almost done. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. Thank you. That word thanks is eulogy, where we get the English word eulogy from. Now, eulogy, I usually thought it meant to lie. Over 35 years of ministry and doing a lot of funerals over the time, you hear people giving eulogies at funerals and they're like, oh, no, who are they talking about? Because I know that's not the person lying in the box. Oh, he was a great man. He was such a loving family person. 
five affairs, left the kids, left the family. And, you know, oh, it's so great. And he, he's, gonna, he's just rejoicing in heaven right now. Do you know not everyone's going to heaven? The word eulogy or thanks, eulogio, means to speak well of, to praise, to extol or bless, to speak well of, to offer God thanks. See, gratitude opens up miracles. When you bless what God gave you, it's like God blesses you with your two fish fillet, with your 15,000 people need, and you're like this. You can do with those. That's what you give me? Wow. Nothing going to happen with that. I got rent to pay. I got mortgage. I got car payments. I got insurance. I got the, the washing machine just broke. I got the dryer that just went out. And this is what you give me? What am I going to do with this? That's not eulogy. That's not thanks. Thanks is, wow. This, you, you're entrusting me with this? There's 15,000 people, and you're giving me this? Everyone's starving, and you bless me with this? There, there is a great need, and God, you trust me. He could have sat down. That little boy could have sat down, and he could have thrown down. Jesus could have just taken it and ate himself. I'm the one teaching. I'm the one that needs the strength. I'm the one that needs the ability to keep on going. He could have ate it, but he didn't do that. He was grateful for what God entrusted him with. He blessed it. This is where we close. Everyone say number four. four. Verse 41 of chapter six of the book of Mark, he says this, and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people and he divided two fish among them all and they ate and they were satisfied and all the disciples picked up how many how many? Come on, work with me. How many? Twelve. I said, how many? Twelve. Twelve. What? Twelve basketfuls of leftovers. I said, twelve basketfuls of leftovers. Not, not, he didn't double what he gave. What the little boy gave. What he added, God multiplied. He took two fish fillet sandwiches, took two little burgers, took two little fish, take five loaves. What he gave, I want you to see what the boy gave to Andrew, what Andrew gave to Jesus, what Jesus gave to the disciples, what the disciples gave and distributed to the people. They went out after that and after everyone had eaten. When you give it, then you gather it. I said, when you give it, then you gather it. When you give it, then you gather it. Whenever God gives you something, you prepare yourself to receive. You prepare yourself to harvest. The problem is the harvest is coming in many times and we're ignoring it. We're just left it. I don't want what someone left over. 
But the disciples went out afterwards and took what he gave. Took this. And left them with this. What you give, God multiplies. I said, what you give, God multiplies. Multiplication happened in the giving away. The, 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 the fish didn't automatically multiply when Jesus had it. It multiplied when he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And as the disciples took it and they gave it away, they came back to Jesus for more. And then Jesus broke it again and gave them some more. And then it multiplied again. What you have, what you hold on to doesn't multiply. What you release multiplies. What you give multiplies. You want love, but you're hoarding it. You want forgiveness, but you're hoarding it. You want blessing, but you're hoarding it. You gotta get rid of, you gotta let go of. When I give forgiveness, when I give love, when I give finances, that's where I get the multitude of blessing coming back. The key here is, Nothing was wasted. The miracle wasn't the feeding. The miracle was the leftovers. Twelve baskets. How many baskets? What the boy added? Jesus multiplied. Now, this is important. This dude had two fish fillets. This is where we close. Okay, you can't have one, Gary. This is for the next service. Stop staring at my fish fillets right now. I'll give them to you after service, okay? After he gets done, now he has 12 baskets filled with fish fillets. There's no refrigeration. The Bible doesn't say what the boy does. But now this boy has 12 baskets of food left over. It doesn't say what he did, but I believe. Because he couldn't eat it. If he doesn't eat it, it's going to spoil. That he took now that 12 baskets and he gave it again to others in need. His mom sent him to pick up two fish and five loaves. And he shows up at home with a Thanksgiving feast. And his mom is like, what the heck are you, what, where, where did you steal that from? Where'd you get it from? He goes, mom, I gave it to Jesus and Jesus gave me 12 of these in return. And not only did he feed him, but he fed his village and his crew, uh, the, the surrounding city as well. When you give, it doesn't just bless you. People around you, your family, your community has their needs met as well. And what do these represent on Wednesday as we feed the homeless? Each one of these baskets are going to be given to homeless people. 
And they're going to have a tent, a sleeping bag, socks, underwear, food, and hand warmers. Because God's blessed us. We don't want to stop the blessing. We don't want to stop the blessing. I, I want to invite you this morning. I want to invite you to be part of the miracle. Okay, I lied. I am collecting an offering. Just, just thought about it right now. I want you to be part of the miracle that's going to happen on, on Wednesday night. I just want you to sow into it. I want you just to either drop an offering at the altar or go online and under special offerings, give a special offering. The amount's not the important thing. The important thing is that you're part of the miracle. Amen? The amount's not the important thing. It's that you're part of the miracle. And I want to give you an opportunity. But, Pastor, I have a need today. You give in your need. And you watch God supply. <laughs> Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, we're just grateful for your goodness. I'm grateful, Lord, for your generosity towards us. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that as we give and as we sow into the needs of those that are less fortunate, that this, what we're gathering, my God, is for sleeping bags, for tents, my God, for but for socks, for whatever other items that we could sow into the needs of others. Why? Because we at CWC, we live in abundance. That's what we do. We live in abundance. Not the scarcity mentality. We don't live with just enough. We live with the idea of more than enough. Now with heads bowed, eyes closed, you're here right now and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You haven't experienced the forgiveness of God's love and mercy and grace over your life. If that's you with heads bowed, eyes closed, you're here right now. And you'd say, Pastor, I just want to just commit my life to the Lord right now. I'm going to count to three and ask you to lift your hand in the air. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand right where you are right now. Anyone at all? Anyone? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, God bless you over here as well. Anyone else? You're just right now, there's something stirring inside you. You know, you know that God is guiding you. God is stirring you. The Holy Spirit is moving inside of you. I'm not trying to force you, but I am begging you and pleading with you this morning. Make your peace with God because he loves you. If that's you, right where you are, would you lift your hand in the air? I just want to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at right now. Would you all stand to your feet? Amen. Everyone stand to your feet. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I don't want to live a life of scarcity. I want to walk in abundance. And Lord, you provided an abundance of forgiveness. When you died on the cross and rose again on the third day, I receive the abundance of grace from Jesus so that I can now share an abundance of grace with others as well. I'm forgiven of my sins. I make Jesus Lord, and I make a choice today to follow Christ all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, let me no longer walk in scarcity, but let me walk in abundance. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. Amen. Now, for those of you online, you want to give, you can give online under just special offerings. For those of you here, as we dismiss, just drop the offering here at the altar. Just drop an offering, a, a blessing, anything that you'd like to give or in an envelope if you want credit. Just drop it down there. And as you do that, we'll make sure that we uh, gather this together and that every dime that you give, none of it is going for for uh, administrative costs. Every dime is going to get to the homeless. Every dime is going to get to the need out there. That's who we are because we live in abundance. Amen. God bless you. Remember, love God, love people, and let's change the world. God bless you this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.